Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi, I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And this is Charmed, Charmed a Spellcast. Hey, you listening there. Have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls? Demon infested world. They're the charmed ones. They're the charmed ones. They're the charmed ones. Charmed, a spellcast. Okay, we're back in the same room. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of. We're on. Well, we're on the floor of uh, my cinema department. Studies. Yes, Cinema Studies. NYU's revered Cinema Studies department. Indeed. And we're here and nobody else is here. They're just in class. So yeah. they're going to walk out and see two gals around a mic and a computer and wonder what the heck mm-hmm. is going on. Yep. But I say art. <laughs> <laughs> in the world of podcasting, there's something called podcaster's rights. It's a little bit like squatter's rights. <laughs> Somebody can just, like, take up and start podcasting, and you can't exactly kick them out. Yeah. This airspace is my, is, is public domain. Public domain. Mm-hmm. We're fighting the good copy left fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, brilliant. That's a good one. Um, yeah, so we're in the lobby, squatting. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully this will still be a good podcast episode. We're using one mic right now because I couldn't figure out how to finagle a two USB mic situation. Um, so we're dealing with that, we're dealing with an open space, and we're dealing with possible, um, intruders. Interruption. Intruders. <laughs> they can't be intruders, they live here. <laughs> so do we. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, this has been a summer of improvisation, mm-hmm. for sure, of some improvement, some regression, mm-hmm. but we keep moving forward. As, as my supervisor said, tomorrow is a new day. Mm. Um, we were discussing platitudes, mm-hmm. and <laughs> okay. I was saying how platitudes are meaningless phrases that you use just to kind of mark mm-hmm. the end of your thought, the end of a sentence. Mm-hmm. And she and my coworker didn't believe me, and my coworker was very upset because she was saying, well, but people mean it when they say those things. And I thought, you know what, they may. They're much more genuine than I am. <laughs> um, so tomorrow is another day. A new dawn. A new dawn. A new day. A new day. And I'm feeling hungry. For more. Me too. Me as, too as well. Nina Simone said. She did that, right? She did feeling good. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, anyhow. But we're here. We're back. Yes. And uh, you're back. And welcome. Thank you. To our humble abode. It's drafty (laughs) um yes there's a lot of noise okay so today we're going to talk about season one episode 19 of charmed um which is called out of sight out of sight um yes and before we do that do we have any housekeeping manner keeping Mm, your birthday happened (gasps) Oh no. She's aged now. <laughs> I am I'm wizened. <laughs> I am beleaguered. I am She's tired. Haggard. <laughs> I'm haggard. It was the, it's been a it was been a long week. I have baggards under my eyes. 
Moosin. Uh, <laughs> Boxin. Um, but it was good. It was a very good birthday. And and speaking of birthdays, hmm? I do actually have something to do right now. Oh. If I can. Okay. Yes. Okay. So as you may remember from last week, we did a tiny little training info session, mm-hmm. whatever you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, about last, last week. Last, last week. Yes. Last episode mm-hmm. on how one might be an ally mm-hmm. in terms of preventing ICE from doing their illegal, um, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, bad things. <laughs> oh, my brain is so empty or too full. My brain is too mm. full. Prevent ICE from executing illegal deportation measures. Mm, that was good. Yes, thank you. Um, and we did that because uh, it's very difficult to be saying anything, I guess, publicly mm-hmm. and not include a statement about how we feel in this extremely turbulent and troubling time. So I decided that for my birthday, I would kind of continue on that track. And I asked just on my Instagram, which you don't have to follow, that's fine. Um, if people in honor of my birthday, if they wanted to get me anything, would want to make like a one to like $20 donation anywhere in there. And in order to give a little bit of incentive, I said I would give some shout outs to anyone who donated one to $5, five to, I think it was like $14, I would write a jingle for, and then 15 and above, I would write a whole dang song for, um, for the pod. To my surprise, I uh, raised $191 Woo! for uh, races, and I'm very excited about that. That's all going to be going to legal counsel, legal aid, um, relief, food, etc. Basically, everything that this organization can possibly think of in order to help those who are in concentration camps, which there's a very large debate around whether we should call these concentration camps, which are where migrants are being held, detained. Mm -hmm. Um, I say, yes, we should, because they are. (laughs) That's exactly what they are. These people do not want to be there, and they should not be there. And it's a very scary time that is paralleling one of the most notably evil times in European history. Um, And for my part, if the biggest part of this debate that you want to weigh in on is whether or not we should call them concentration camps, I feel like you're missing out on the bigger issue here. Possibly. That might be a problem. Yeah. Check your priorities. But anyway, um, so $191 is going to Raices, and so I'm going to do a little shout out right now to all the people who donated anything. So... Angie Wang, Kathy Short, Sam Hafferty, Bob Brush, Janie Bellarde, Rachel Lee Molena, Maggie Jorgensen, Sarah Jensen, Jennifer Leno, Courtney Hall, Claire Fox, and Elise Umetsu. Wow, you all are amazing. Thank you so, so much for donating. Those of you who donated at a certain arbitrary level, be on the lookout for your songs and jingles. Amazing. Amazing. Um... Okay. I mean, that was a great manner keeping. Do you have any more to, that you wanted to add? 
I don't think I have any more at this time other than to say I'm very grateful to be alive even if it's in a very difficult period of history. <laughs> Happy birthday, bud. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Um, I also, well, I mean, not also. I, for myself, do not have that much manner keeping to uh, report. I celebrated Shana's birthday last week with her in a variety of ways. We did not get enough sleep. Um, we continued our weeks and continued to not get enough sleep. And here we are on a Monday about to crash and burn. Oh, no. I'm also covered in bug bites. I hate summer. I hate New York. I'm over it. <laughs> um, I don't hate New York. I actually quite like it. So, New York gods, please let me stay here. I will endure your bug bites. Okay, that's true. For, for Shayna, I will play nice with the New York gods, and I will itch away in quiet consternation. She's itching right now, or scratching right I'm now. I'm so itchy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, okay, let's, let let's us, let me. us turn it, the beat. Turn season, the beat. season one, episode 19, Out of Sight. Yes, so this aired on May 5th, 1999. It was directed by Craig Zisk, and it was written, written, it was written by Tony Blake and Paul Jackson. And I just want to read the IMDb summary uh, when a young boy gets kidnap- kidnapped by a Grimlock, it's up to Prue, Phoebe, and Piper to attempt a dangerous rescue. That, that pretty much sums it up. Do we even need to do this review? Like, it's, No, okay, we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much. You can find us. <laughs> um, um, I, yes. Okay, so today we're going to do a little bit of a creative melding of ideas. Um, we're going to bring our classic review and recap with our new um, topic-generated, topic-oriented discussion. Thematic discussion. Oh, that's a better word. That's a better mm-hmm. word. Um, you can tell she does this for her academic career. Yes, and hopefully for my living. Um, okay, I would like to ask first, what did you think of this episode? Great idea. Great idea. Okay. Um, I... It had it up. It had its ups and downs. Um, I think that as an adventure episode, it was chock full of action, chock full of like things that are going on, different plot lines, and they're all like weaving together. And there were like many um, re- revelations that occurred. Um, in terms of whether it did all of those plot points in a very uh, politically correct manner, and whether it was sensitive in the way it approached certain topics perhaps it missed the mark a little bit i liked this episode better than the last one (laughs) um i particularly was enthused by andy finally freaking getting a clue Mm -hmm. that was really important finally (laughs) um and i enjoyed a lot of the action that was going on but i also have a few bones to pick in terms of themes, especially surrounding this theme of temporary disability. Mm-hmm. But I, I did enjoy watching this, and I would like to make it known right now that through much of the episode, I was just thinking how good Shannon Doherty looked. <laughs> yes, I will I, remark mm-hmm. many a time on this pod. Um, I 
say so in the most respectful manner possible. Shannon Doherty is a, an okay actress. <laughs> oh no, I should probably say something better than that. Um, she does fine. Actually, no, I should say I liked Shannon Doherty's performance in this episode more than the last few episodes, I think. Mm, mm. Okay. It's very um, diplomatic of you to say. Um, I guess I will also spill the beans, get the cat out of the bag. The theme that I pulled from this episode was um, how there are many moments where there was a, a, a recognition of how insane it was that their lives, which were up until this point, were so normal, so banal. <laughs> Um, banal. Stop it. it! I don't know. Either one. I've always heard banal, but I don't actually know. I've heard it as banality. I have also heard that. So I've never actually said it on its own without its suffix. Listeners, please let us know. No, don't. Don't. <laughs> I don't want to be corrected. Okay. Commonplace. Um, yes, commonplace. And there were many moments where the commonplace intersected with the supernatural, and I found it hilarious and delightful, and I think that we should reflect on that as we talk through today's episode. I agree. Okay, well, let's go. No. Okay, let's not. So you can find me at uh, your... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and good night. Okay, so... Hmm. <laughs> we start? Do we do the three storylines or should we just oh, leap right let's into do it? The, no, let's do the three storylines. Three storylines. Uh, really quickly, I'll just rattle them off. You also rattle them off. At the same time, three, two, one, go. Ah! So Phoebe and... <laughs> um, <laughs> just screaming. <laughs> Sorry, punk rock of you. Um, okay, so in this episode, I think that Phoebe takes a real detective stance and she does a lot of the sleuthing, a lot of the snooping, and she does a lot of the interviewing with former victims of the demon of the week today, of this episode. Meanwhile, Piper has the least interesting plot again, anytime they involve Josh. Freaking Josh. I forget his name is Josh. I know. He of the square jaw. Um, okay, so her whole dates and they've not slept together because she thinks sleeping together equals relationship and she doesn't know where they stand. But it turns out this whole time she's not actually that interested in him. She's just pining for Leo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, uh, no, you already said Piper. Shannon Doherty. <laughs> Prue is um, dealing with two things, actually. She's dealing with a reporter hot on her trail, trying to oust, out her and show the world that she's a witch. And at the same time, she's dealing with Andy, who is also discovering her secret and um, wants to get in on the kidnapping case to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that was my favorite part of this episode, I think, yes. was Prue's storyline and Prue's intersecting with Andy. Yes. So we begin this episode right away with an introduction, as we normally do, of who the monster is, the big baddie of this week. Yes. And preceded, preceding that, we have an introduction of someone we're supposed to care about who we've never seen before. <laughs> for some reason, the sisters are at a birthday party for their friend Dee's son. Okay. <laughs> they're, Piper's catering for some reason. We don't really... Do we know why? Um, no. Ah, we don't care. They do have a little bit of small talk. Piper talks about the, uh, she sets up the plot that occurs for her for the rest of this episode, which is a quick one second sentence, which is like, I don't want a relationship. We have to have the talk. Yeah, we have to have the talk. And Phoebe says some silly generalizations about 
how women think versus how men think, mm-hmm. which is, uh, we can just pass on over them because we know th- th- those don't actually hold water. So, pasha, pasha. I say. And then, pashum. The, the, <laughs> that was my segue into the uh, inciting action of this scene. Into the evil blue man group. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Also looks like, oh my god. I want to say Igor, but I feel like that's not the monster I'm thinking of. Igor in in what? I was gonna like because Igor is like the the henchman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Young Frankenstein for some reason. Does he look like that guy? Not really. Not really. Okay. Not really. Never mind. But then. it would be funny if it was Igor. <laughs> Igor. No, Igor. <laughs> I found a brain. Uh, Whose? Abby's. Abby who's? Abby Norbles. Okay, now this, that you've recited sorry. the entire plot. I'm just gonna look I'm so up. sorry. But oh. yeah, they're like, they're, they're basically bald, pale, pale men with scary, scary eyes. And they like kind of like hunch over and do this like scary snooping around thing. I love their scuttling so much. <laughs> I think it's so funny. They're sewer creatures. Mm-hmm. Sewer mm. rats. I do... I do find a certain sense of allegiance with that. <laughs> okay. I too fear the light. But we didn't know they were sewer rats at first because they were in the bushes. Ah, evil tree blue man group is what I wrote. Oh, yeah, that's that sums it up pretty much. Yeah, and they grab the son yes. of D who the, wanders away from the birthday party in the of park. Course. And he wanders, chasing after his rubber ball. Oh, that was it. Okay. So he wanders by this bush where our drummer, <laughs> our blue man drummer, is uh, skulking. And then he gets snapped. Snatched. Snap snatched. Snap snatched. Snapchatted. <laughs> he gets... <laughs> he gets snapchatted. Um, um, so, but Prue finds them, stumbles upon them, because she's about to leave to go to Buckland. Yeah. She sees the struggle. And she levitates them both. <gasps> into the air and she's so shocked by what she's just done because she uses her hands with her digits with her digits her little fingies digital levitation um so she is so shocked by what she's just done that mr blue man is able to fight her and and snap out of her hold before she can snap out of her reverie yes and then he's grabs the boy and he runs to a distant part of the park and then he opens up a giant sinkhole in the ground and he jumps in and the sinkhole uh, closes up after him. Sewer rat. But from a forest, anyway. Going back to my home now. (laughs) Goodbye. I would love that power. So there's another... (laughs) There's another... Yeah, me too, actually, now that I think about it. So there's another sewer rat who's uh, also in the bushes watching this entire exchange happen. His name is Eric Lohman. 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 You're a Lohman, Lohman. You're no good, Lohman. You'd never be shit. You're just <laughs> like your father. <laughs> he is awful. I know. Oh, my God. So he's a reporter. Yeah. Um, creepy, creepy dude reporter for the Bay Weekly. Oh, the Bay Weekly. The alternative <laughs> press. <laughs> A white man writing for the alternative press. How Pashum. original. Pashum, I say. <laughs> yeah, but he's skulking there. And after the commercial break, he's still skulking. And we're actually at the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the police have arrived and they're trying to stake things out. 
And uh, the sisters are kind of like talking about what they should do next because they can't tell the police exactly what their role was in seeing the thing happen, the seeing the kidnapping go down because that would reveal their powers. Um, but they did learn a little bit more about the situation itself. They learned that this kidnapping had happened before. Mm -hmm. This kidnapping had happened before 20 years ago in the exact same spot, but there had also been previous kidnappings that week. However, the way they find this out is Phoebe says, oh yeah, I was just like chatting up the cop. <laughs> and he told me all of this history <laughs> immediately. I guess she just batted her eyes and the cop was like, yes, Alyssa Milano, you are the boss. I'll tell you anything. <laughs> he like snapped out of it shortly after she left and he was like, I blacked out what happened. <laughs> so anyway, uh, they have a little chit chat about mm. parsing off duties Prue still has to get back to Buckland's, mm -hmm. and she's so still so shocked about having used her powers through her hands, which Phoebe makes a little crack and is like, well, now you don't have to squint your eyes anymore. And I thought about it, and I was like, I wonder if Shannon Doherty was like, I don't want to keep squinting my eyes. Can't I do something else? Brought up to the writer's room. Yeah. This was actually my first, um, this is when I took note of, of the first point in the episode where I took note of how they were mixing together like commonplace worries with this greater like supernatural environment because it's like you have a magical mystical power but also like wrinkles like I don't want those yeah I don't want to keep squinting because then oh little crow's feet crow's feet are great by the way I think they like, they make people look like they've lived a very full life and that they have a lot of stories mm. and it makes them look smiley yeah so I don't know what Phoebe was saying. Anyway, so Prue rushes off to Buckland, and Mr. Reporter Man is very casually stretching with his leg all the way up on the tree as he watches her get into the car, and then he gives this awful smirk, and he hops in his own car to follow her. Ugh. Despicable. 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 I hate it. Come on, guys. So... Then we go to the Blue Man Cavern. Oh, yes. So now we get to a little, a little inside peek at what happens after you've been kidnapped by the Blue Man group. Um, it's not good. It's, let me tell you, kids, it's not good. It's not. Yeah, and I was immediately struck by this imagery of these kids in cages, of course, um, which was no fun at all. And even when I'm, again, I'm reminded every time I'm watching a fantasy show that is 20 years old and is supposedly removed from reality it's really not it's really really not mm -hmm. in any way um we're still living in a time where all of these themes are relatable and recycled and we still need to keep paying attention in everything that we consume what strikes me is that as assuming I, is that this is not a sitcom but it's kind of like a show that isn't I wouldn't say it's, like, high it's production not, value. No, it's not a prestige drama. Okay, that is not a term that I was aware of before now, but now that I've been introduced to it, it's not a prestige <laughs> drama, you guys. Um, and despite that, there are moments, there are, like, things written into the episodes that are, like, actively scary and horrifying, and you think, oh, yeah, fantasy. Like, they're just using their imagination to think of scary things, but... The scariest things are the ones that reflect on real life and the ones and real life is honestly going to be scarier than anything you can dream up in your mind because people do bad things and it's scarier when it's actually happening that was a really great analysis oh, and well. i very much appreciate that you could put that together coherently 
oh, I, I don't know. I blacked out what happened. <laughs> okay, so now that Bryce is a television and media <laughs> prophet, um, the kids are in the cages, and the blue men are taking their eyesight. <gasps> yeah, and this kind of like touches on your theme that you found. Oh, yeah. This idea of temporary disability. Um, okay, we'll get into it a little bit later, actually, in the next scene. Mm, okay, but this kind of just sets up, like, these are the mm -hmm. things that they do that are bad, and it kind of introduces us to um, what we have to fight against. Exactly. Okay, so we know. They're stealing kids' eyesight. No good. And the, yeah. Okay. okay. Then we're back at the manor kitchen, and Detective Phoebe is detecting. <laughs> she is trying to figure out what happened with the case from 20 years ago, and finds out that one of the boys did not make it back, but the other boy was found, and his name is Brent Miller, and he still lives in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So she goes to detect. One of my favorite things about the scene, and I think it's the scene, but I could be messing it up or mixing it up with a different scene, um, is that they they've really gotten it down to a science, like how to split up the responsibilities and quickly like divvy up their duties before they run off to their different response like assignments. Absolutely, and I think that eventually that does give what they actually do time to be more interesting rather than. Uh, what do I do? Magic? What? Instead, it's like, oh, okay, here's a new way of actually improving and implementing this. Wow. You would hope. Implementation science right there. Project management. Pro <laughs> so, anyway, Brent Miller. She's going to go get him. Okay. But first, Pruitt Buckland. Mm-hmm. Creepy dude reporter. Creepy dude. So, Loman introduces himself at her place of work. A sacred spot and says that he's a reporter and that he's seen her do her magic things and uh, the story that he's about to write can go two ways either she is complicit in all these unsolved murders that he's dug up and found her name written on the reports for or she cooperates with him and he writes a story about her that makes her seem like a magical superhero yeah and she's like um i don't know what you're talking about leave now and he's like lady and i'm like you're giving journalism such a bad name. I know, and we know, like, a fantastic journalist. I mean, you were in a journalism magazine, but we also know a uh, actual, not actual, like a working journalist currently. A real-life photographer, is, who, reporter. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the people who actually donated on your birthday. Yeah, shout-out Angie. Uh, hopefully she'll be visiting New York again soon. But anyway, he gives it a bad name, and he breaks her vase, her vase. Because he's trying to provoke her into using her power again, which we all know will not work out well for him. He's a menace. He's a Dennis the Menace. I do not like him. Sam, I am. I really don't either, Sam. Where's Sam? Sam. Sam Hafferty, another person who donated. Sam, Sam. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're getting with your donation money. Extra shout outs. Exactly. Anyway, so he's like, you're lost, and she's like, uh-oh. And then we move on to the next scene. First, Phoebe visits Brent. 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 It's Brent. Present. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so she visits, she vi I was going to say Brent. She visits Brent, who is one of the past victims of the uh, monsters who we are to learn later on are named Grimlocks. Yeah, and if anyone watched Once Upon a Time, he's uh, Archie. Oh. The grasshopper 
What, uh, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did watch Once Upon a Time, but I didn't know every single character. Yeah. Uh, the only real, like, thing I paid attention to on that was whenever Regina spoke. <laughs> and she just called him Bug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, that's a that's another podcast altogether. We're not getting into Once Upon a Time on this one. No way. Not that trash garbage fire show. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. So. Anyway, so Brent, Brent. Brent Miller is blind, and he was blinded as a result of his incident with the monsters. Now, Phoebe asks him about it from that perspective, and at first he's unwilling to talk about it. Um, a traumatic experience and he didn't want to relive it exactly and his dog agrees Helmuth <laughs> Helmuth the dog Helmuth. star of the show a MVP. gorgeous golden retriever gorgeous with beautiful brown eyes and floppy ears mm-hmm. who is his seeing eye dog and Helmuth is like you heard the man get out of here we don't want to talk about trauma unless you are a licensed counselor which you're not doggone it get out of here doggone it Bryce <laughs> Brilliant. Been holding that in all week. <laughs> That's what your tension headaches are from. Um, but anyway, Phoebe presses. She says, no, I'm not leaving until you talk about your trauma. Because I believe you and I know about the monsters. And he's like, you do? You believe me? And she's like, yeah, I do. Because I just do. <laughs> I can't say anything else. And he's like, all right, well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. You believe my story, so I can tell you a little bit about auras. I remember something about auras, and most of it was a blur, but it was terrible, and I went to two decades of therapy for this, and you're bringing it all back up again, so thank you very much. Goodbye. That's exactly how it went down. Congratulations. Thank you. Very good, succinct uh, summary. Yeah. So then, zoom. Zoom. Back to the sewers. Gutter blue men. Gutter blue men are storm drain monsters. Um, <laughs> so they, we, we are like on some busy street. Um, I think they're outside maybe like a concert hall, maybe some kind of like thing where people are milling about. Yeah. Some plaza or something. Yeah, that could be it. I don't know. Anyway, so we see our little storm drain clown its that are hanging out in these sewers and they're peering out from their little vantage point and they look around and they see auras around people, like a golden hazy aura. A golden glow that I would like to let everyone know I know how to use that effect on photo booth. <laughs> So I could have made this episode. Uh, remember when they copy and pasted the jaguar? Or was it the jaguar from that one episode? <gasps> the panther. The panther. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, how could I forget? Ah, Rex and Hannah. Gone, but not forgotten. This ain't no something drama. This ain't no Game of Thrones. Prestige. Prestige. I remembered it. <laughs> you told me like five minutes ago and I already forgot. No worries, man. Uh, this is how I learn. I always have trouble remembering it too, actually. So you're in good company. Um, so anyway, I know I am. Oh, uh, got it. No, terrible company. I'm leaving. Oh. So you can find us. Oh God, I keep doing this. Okay, uh, no more of that. Yeah, this is gotta no be. A, that. Got, can't this have this be our running hand. gag. This is getting out of hand. Okay. okay. So they can see auras, and they use the brightest auras in order to choke people. Yeah, they do this weird thing where they like 
stick out their hands and they like clench their fists and then the ore start to suck inwards into the into the person that the ore is surrounding and that person starts to choke yeah good acting nice physical work so the first person they choke is of course a black man great yeah interesting choice uh, it's these shows always do things where they're like diversity because they're getting killed. Yeah, it reminds me about how there's always like, I remember reading this one article about how someone was upset because they were like, you're showing like diverse couples, like they're interracial, but like, why are all of the diverse people like in the same relationship? Why do they have to be like sidelined to this like separate, like contained world within the larger world of the rest of the story? Yeah, they're very much constricted to like one very small box. But because they're included in an episode, that counts. And that, my friends, is tokenism. (laughs) You said it. Okay, so now we learn a little bit more about their powers, what Mm -hmm. the creepy crawlies can do. And uh, the only other thing I want to mention about this scene is that they have a hilarious disappearance back into the gutter. (laughs) (laughs) They just kind of do a like, now the elevator's going down. <laughs> I do vaguely remember thinking thinking that that looked pretty silly. Yeah. So, okay. So, the next scene, we find out that if you're good, you die from the Book of Shadows. Book of Shadows says a little bit more about the auras mm. and about what these Grimlocks do. The good die young. Yeah, so they found, they found out that they're called the Grimlocks and they're characterized as hitmen of the dark side. <laughs> Um, which basically means that they look for good people and then they smother them with and their own auras. And they wear a lot of black. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very goth. <laughs> yeah, they don't see a lot of sunlight, that's for sure. Sorry. <laughs> no, they do not. Um, then okay. Prue comes into the room and she's like, Phoebe, Piper, gotta tell you about this reporter. So then they have a little powwow and they're like, what do we do now? Um, they mobilize. Yes. They decide to mobilize, and they have a conversation about whether they should out themselves mm-hmm. in order to help Dee, um, to let her know that they're going to find her son. But ultimately, the decision is, no, it's too dangerous. There are going to be so many more people like Loman showing up at their front door, impeding them, hindering them, and just generally causing chaos and not allowing them to actually save people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then they mobilize. My bad. Um, Prue, I don't know where she goes. I forgot already. But Phoebe goes to talk to Brent to talk more about the sewers or to talk about the Grimlocks. And then Piper goes to meet up with Josh to... To have the inconsequential talk. And get a map at this point? Is that later? She's just trying to get a map of the sewer drains Mm. from him to... Or the storm system. The storm, Mm -hmm. storm drain system in order to try to pinpoint where these gutter rats might be. Um, and while all this is happening, Andy and Daryl get pulled in at the precinct. Yes! Zoom in on the precinct. Andy and Daryl, back at it. The (laughs) Y-Files. And essentially, Loman comes in and tries to goad Andy into spilling some beans about Prue and says that he saw Prue uh, levitate these people so he he doesn't have proof yet but he will Mm -hmm. and either andy again andy can help him or he's going to make it look like a cop cover-up story Mm. 
And Andy, this is my favorite thing. Uh, go T.W. King in this episode. When Loman puts the mic in his face or the, the tape recorder in his face and says, you know, care to comment, Andy leans in and goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, could, I feel, even though it is like a really great, like, um, shut down of the moment I could also at the same time imagine like gears turning like what do I say no <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no I can see that if like there are so many things happening at once all in my brain but <laughs> I'm going to give you a no that's my final answer um anyway so Loman is out and he's making all sorts of mm-hmm. stupid slanderous sleazy threats the cat's still in the bag for now. Mm-hmm. Cat is in there. Somebody let it out. No, don't do it. Okay, next scene. Uh, Josh? Yes. Josh and f- Piper. Piper is a terrible liar in this scene, trying to make up a reason why she needs the plans for the storm mm-hmm. drain, but she gets them. Mm-hmm. And then Josh is like, okay, we really need to talk about something. And Piper's like, oh, I know, I know. And he says, this could have a really big impact on me. And she's like, what? No, not if we use protection. (laughs) Take precautions. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, what are you talking about? I was talking about sex. Sexuals. Sex, you, me, and uh, hopefully a better than mediocre time. And protection. And protection. Go, Piper. But he's like, no, I got a job offer in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. That's, that's where, where Josh wants to be. <laughs> Get him out of Living here. Living in Beverly Hills. Um, and he essentially says, so I know this is soon, but if you don't want me to go, you should say so. Mm-hmm. And Piper does what any good witch does. She freezes him <laughs> so she can process out loud for a little bit. Then she whips out her large cell phone calls his cell phone, unfreezes him, his phone starts ringing, he's like, oh, gotta take this call, and then she hustles out of there. <laughs> what a good plan. Yes. Oh, and I also wanted to mention, there was another point in here where the banal touches upon the supernatural, because they're, like, looking for the sewer map so that they can find the sewer monster, and I remembered Josh go, oh, dank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It should be dank down there. Because she's talking, uh, Piper's pretending that this uh, map is for a sewer-themed party. Which is a great thing to come up with, Piper. It'll be dank. My God. So anyway, she hustles, and we move on to Phoebe with Brent. And he is attempting to recall anything he might know about his incident about the sewer system, about where they might have taken him, and he can't recall anything. And then Phoebe, by touching him, has a flashback Mm -hmm. and sees him as a little kid making his way through the storm drains and recognizes a few things there, like some lettering, and asks him about it. And he's like, yeah, how... How did you know that? How could you... It's come. It's all coming back to me now. (laughs) And how on earth could you tell? And she doesn't really say anything um but she continues pressing him continues detecting and asks uh do you know anywhere where there might be a cable car turnaround oh uh do you have a map of this oh that would be silly to ask you and he's like well yeah i do and he goes and he uses a map that's 
uh, made in Braille. Mm -hmm. And so he's able to tell her. And Phoebe has this wild fascination where she's like, how on earth can you tell? Like, it's Mm -hmm. some incredible thing that a blind person has an entirely different system of communication. For lack of a better word, the show uses this as a moment to show that there are other perspectives in the world, and Phoebe is fascinated by that. Yeah, Phoebe is fascinated, the show is fascinated, and not only is the show fascinated, it also develops this very strange romanticization of how blindness operates, and and this actually, I didn't mention this line, but... Um, Phoebe says something, and Brent calls her out on it and says, well, I know you're lying. A person who could see would maybe be fooled, but I can tell. Like, I can hear it. And I can hear that you have a beautiful smile. Mm. And things like that. And a lot of things that are kind of displaying almost a mysticism around disability. Like these superhuman powers. Mm -hmm that are happening in order to compensate. And it is true that when one sense does not work, that another has to compensate for it, but they do it in a way that centers it around what he observes about Phoebe Mm -hmm. and around how Phoebe develops sort of this attraction to him for it, for being different, for overcoming something, and for living a life that she exoticizes Mm. and of course this isn't done in bad faith at all it's not villainizing him Mm -hmm. but it is making him an object of fascination rather than a real person Mm -hmm. and that's a bit of a problem that i have with this portrayal yeah wow very well said very eloquently put thanks i try um anyway Oh, gosh. Sorry, I I wrote in my notes, like, the how-can-you-tell line from Phoebe about him saying, there's a cable car car turnaround right here on this street. And I wrote, Braille, you idiot, Phoebe, come on. But anyway, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so they have that very interesting, slightly romantic scene. Uh, and then we move back again to our favorite place, the sewers. Uh, uh. And the little boys are just trying to comfort one another. Yeah, and one of the the child who is um, the son of their friend is telling the other boy, like, oh, don't worry, my mom's friend has magical powers, she'll mm-hmm. be here to save us. And he's very, like, uh, blasé about the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, yeah, child actors, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of uh, nuance there. So we go back to Buckland, and Andy and Brew have a confrontation! Yes. Monsieur le maire, you know, whatever. Um, I also want to say, like, this was another moment where I was, again, struck by how much that these witches have to juggle. Like, their jobs on top of this investigation into the kidnapping. Like, whoa. How did they do it all? They do so much. And dating. And dating. And And birthday party catering. (laughs) And being friends with people that they're not actually friends with because we only see them for one episode at a time. That was a long one, but one that I'm sure we can all relate to. Yeah, of course. Of course. So anyway, uh, Prue and Andy 
are together. And Andy says, this is what Loman said. I know you can't tell me these things, but I need you to really trust me. And again, I'm here shouting, trust Mm -hmm. him, tell him. And it's been so long since, like, she originally told him and, like, got scared off that I almost forgot why she wasn't telling him. Right. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, it's because he said back then, like, I don't think I'm ready to accept witchery. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's been so drawn out. And Andy's gotten nowhere with this for so many episodes Mm -hmm. that I agree with you. It was hard to remember the initial conflict. So I'm upset with the show for that. Um, But anyway, she doesn't tell him. She just says thank you in a heartfelt way. Yeah. For warning her. But there's all, it's like at this point, there's nothing even left to hide. Like Andy has been told a secret and it is the true secret. He just doesn't have confirmation yet. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, we move on. Phoebe opens a door at a power plant. <laughs> She's like, perfect, this is the one, runs away. Nancy Drew. <laughs> Detective Phoebe. And she runs away, and that's it for that oh, scene. And then the worst scene in the entire episode, when oh, Eric Lohman is filming uh, Piper and Prue as they try to get back into their house. And he pushes a baby carriage yes. in front of a car, an empty baby carriage. But Piper doesn't know that, so she freezes time. Yes. And then they notice, oh, it's empty. And then they notice, oh, he's filming, that rat bastard. So they run back to their places in front of the house, and they put their arms up, and they're like, okay, just stay in the exact same position we were before you froze time, and unfreeze. Okay. And then he makes this big deal about, oh my god, I caught them, because in one frame, Piper's purse is on the left shoulder, and then it's on the right shoulder. And it's like, that, in no world, would that prove anything yeah and and also it's a very drawn out scene where he says in his like annoying voice left shoulder right shoulder <laughs> left shoulder right shoulder it's i got them disgusting it's awful he's very good at being unlikable that's yeah that's exactly it mm-hmm. so then loman rings the door and is like okay i caught you i got gotcha. you now either you can do a tell-all exclusive with me, or I trample you into the ground with my dirty, dirty rag newspaper. <laughs> and it's like, oh no. Yellow journalism. Yeah, exactly. So they shove him back out the door, and they're like, all right, we need to get to the power plant. The time, the, the clock is ticking. I think we forgot to mention this, but there's like a 24-hour clock oh, on yeah, when they can save the boy, save mm-hmm. the children. Um, I forgot exactly why that was. Because they have to steal the children's eyesight, the eyesight of innocent children in order to choke people with their auras, but they only have a 24-hour period to get from one child to the next before the power fades. I see. I see. And I remember Oh, something. and the child dies. Yes. that I remembered specifically, like, the uh, 24 hours, child has to be alive, something, something, something. Yeah, the child has to be alive for them to use the powers. I don't know. It's all a bunch of complicated gibberish to set a clock. All right, so there is a clock for the sewer men and for our three charmed ones. And they're like, how do we get out of the house to the sewer to rescue the children when there's a smarmy-like journalist outside? How are we going to do it? Oh, I know. Prue is going to go be a decoy. And we're going to run around him and <laughs> run around the back and go to our car. And that's exactly what they do. Um and they get away and uh meanwhile this is the best part of the episode i think with shannon doherty in which he's like i'm gonna tell everyone you're a witch um 
and he she throws like a s- screwdriver into his tire yeah <laughs> so he can't go it. after yeah. uh phoebe and piper and he's like oh, you did that you just i just saw you do that and she goes prove it <laughs> and i'm like yeah prove it oh Boo. <laughs> so Piper and Phoebe peel away in their car. Eric Lohman spins around. He sees that his car has been um, deflated. And Prue goes back into her house victorious. Exactly. To go make a potion. Mm-hmm. To vanquish the Blue Man group. Okay. So now I go to the sewer where Phoebe and Piper are lowering themselves down. Again, another moment where they say the most human and like expected of things in a very unexpected situation they go ew i'm not wearing the right shoes for this ew gross and then as they're like stepping through the sewer water phoebe's like so i'm guessing now's not the right time to ask about how you're talking with josh and piper like deadpan goes like you're right it's not (laughs) um so there are rats in the sewer and then loman also traps prue Meanwhile, into... Ta- oh, 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 excuse me. Piper falls mm-hmm. uh, into a grate, and she's knocked out. And so Phoebe has to run out and call Prue and say, come quick, get help, Piper is hurt. So Prue has to rush out with her potion, is blocked by Loman, who has pulled the plugs of her car, yes. of her car engine, and will only let her go if she confesses to him. And so she does, on tape, says, I'm a witch, I have magical powers. Now get in the car and let's go. Yeah, exactly. Because she has bigger things to worry about. Indeed. And we also, this is the last moment where I recognized the, um, the combination of fantastical forces and very commonplace forces. As Prue is mixing her potion, she looks to her, she thinks to herself and she's like, I feel like I should be cackling right now. It's so cute. I love when we get those moments of like low-key kind of stakes and acting Mm -hmm. and when it's just characters talking to themselves remarking upon something to themselves i i love that as well i love that and i love the part where they're just so self-aware about how ridiculous their their situation is and how far it's escalated absolutely so good on this episode for doing that Uh, also we missed the moment where trudeau visits brent what does he do um oh brent's like trudeau's like have you seen a prue hallowell and brent is like uh no but i've seen it i've seen oh brent miller that's right Brent miller he's like the the guy the previous victim he's like i've not met a prue hallowell but i've met a phoebe hallowell i can tell you where she went so andy's like they're all in on it right and goes off ostensibly to find Phoebe. This is how he gets his information to also mm-hmm. congregate at the sewer, which is, you know, where the party's happening. <laughs> the dank party. The okay. blue man group party. Catered by Piper. Mm. Birthday so, cakes on the menu. Okay. Um, so now Prue rushes to the sewers. In her little convertible beep beep. Yep. Loman's with her. Uh, Andy, somewhere off elsewhere in San Francisco, is also rushing to the sewer. Um, Prue meets Phoebe outside the sewer entrance and and is like, okay, let's go in, let's go find Piper. And then she turns to Eric Lohman, the reporter, and goes, you, sit, stay. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. And then, of course, -boss. as soon as they go in, like, two seconds after, he has a stupid little ha 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 and he brings his video camera and rushes in after them, which, you know, is not going to be any good for him. To his downfall, he brings himself. Okay, Andy's car <laughs> zooms into the scene, uh, parks, screeches, and he pops out, and he also heads into the sewer. Everybody's in the sewer! So, Loman is essentially the Blair Witch, um, <laughs> and he's filming, and he's narrating in a very, like, a tell-all kind of way yeah. and then he runs into one of the Grimlocks yeah and it's not a happy ending no. um, he gets his neck snapped no good uh, but Andy arrives and he sees Loman dead on the floor and he's like oh no and then the Grimlocks see Andy and they're like oh gee <laughs> and then they attack him a good him guy too. Yeah. real good aura we could use for killing for killing. killing so they attack Andy but now Phoebe, Piper, and Prue are there and they see this go down, and uh, Prue levitates the Grimlock away from Andy and saves his life. Yes, and then she also levitates Piper up. Oh, yeah, out we of skipped the storm that part. Drain. Yeah. So everyone is there. It's a family reunion. Mm -hmm. Andy has finally seen Prue mm -hmm. use her powers. Gang is all here. And, gang, gang. And he's not going to have his memory erased this time. Mm, yes. We think. Yes. Um, in this episode. So. Finally, he's just kind of staring there, like, trying to process everything. Meanwhile, they still haven't rescued the kids, so Prue is in mission mode. Piper is hurt, and she tells Andy, take Piper, get her to safety. And Andy's like, I'm, I'm not going to leave you two alone. Are you crazy? And she goes, do you want me to use my power on you? And he's like, I'll go. <laughs> he's like, all right, come on, let's go, Piper. Let's hustle out here. Which I wrote, uh, T.W. King would be a great comic actor i think <laughs> i thought this was a very cute little moment i think he would be really good because he has such a serious face mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he has a very good sense of comic timing i think um and and misdirected intentions okay so andy and piper hustle to the surface phoebe or no prue bends down snatches the tape that had fallen out of loman's camera slips into her pocket and they uh and she and phoebe head off to confront the blue man group when the blue man group reaches her first reaches them first and kind of like scares them one of them one of the grimlocks yes and this was also along your theme yeah a very very relatable <laughs> both of them scream yeah and phoebe especially was like ah, ah, the potion the potion ah, ah, and throws it on him <laughs> We will, of course, do our classic rating of the of the uh, of villain death at the end of this. But I just want to like start by saying that I greatly enjoyed these Me too. scenes. Me too. Oh, good. Oh, good. Can't wait. Um, okay. So, uh, and then of course we have the line: as soon as the demon melts away from the acid attack uh, from Prue, great. Just what we need. More toxic waste in our sewers. I love a good quip. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Very Buffy. Um, this one was, like, pretty good. Okay, so... Okay, and then another Grimlock gets at Prue, actually, before she can get the potion out. She drops the potion. It shatters. It spills over the floor. And we're in a real dire moment right now. And then Phoebe comes in with a, a bat or a pipe or something and knocks him over the head. Bonks him good. Bonks him real good. And gives Prue just enough time to stop being suffocated while now 
uh, Phoebe is being suffocated with her own aura. Prue uses her hands, her hand powers, to telekineticize the the goo, the Kool-Aid, onto the Grimlock. Which was amazing. That yeah. is such a good exercise of her powers. Mm-hmm. And then he also melts away into nothing. And they are defeated. Got him. Um, and at the same time, the children who are captured, their eyesight comes back. Their eyesight is restored. Again, disability as temporary. <laughs> And easily cured. You only needed a quick fix. The physical is fixed, but is the trauma they carried fixed? I don't think so. My sources say this should last a lot longer, unfortunately. (laughs) Hot take by Shana Warner. Yep. Um, So anyway, we go to the precinct where they have taken the kids. And of course, the kids have seen that these guys are magic. Um, so they're a little worried about that, but, but because Brent comes in and he Mm. talks to Phoebe, um, he volunteers that he will talk to the boys and he, it's implied that he's going to help protect Mm. their secret. Because when he comes back to Phoebe and talks to the police station, his eyesight is back. Mm -hmm. And then he says, um... Did you know all of these things because you are some kind of psychic? Or I forgot what it was. The, the clairvoyant. And anyway, basically he kind of like gives her a wink and nod and is like, I know you have powers. I'm going to help you protect your secret. Yeah. And he acts as an ally to her, um, which she has done for him um, in order to save these boys. So she kind of hasn't. Actually, the only thing she's done mm-hmm. is said that she believes them about the monsters. Mm-hmm. And what it seems in this episode is that that's all he needed is someone to believe him, mm-hmm. which is a really good point. Like, that is a very important thing. His entire life, he has not been believed about why it is he lost his eyesight. The police thought it was a parasite, mm-hmm. or authorities said it was a parasite, but it was never explained. And he had an explanation, but no one would believe mm-hmm. him. I think that's a really good takeaway from this. I, I I still think though that there was like some recognition of of on his part of her also experiencing the same experiences that he's gone through, and I think that he recognizes that kind of like kinship with her. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Um, but this is another person that I think his trauma surrounding this would not be solved by a physical alleviation you're absolutely right yeah and 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 yet (laughs) i i all but i mean it's also been 20 years and it looks like he's been working really hard to like find some kind Mm -hmm. of stability and peace within himself so i wouldn't say that it was just his sight coming back that granted him that uh, um that closure i think yeah i think it was more than that granted closure perhaps to pi or to Phoebe, maybe. I I would still disagree. Honestly, I would disagree because of how they set him up um, in terms of him having such a, an adverse reaction to Phoebe even mentioning oh, these true. monsters. That's true. Um, and the incident without mentioning the monsters. So you can see there's still a lot of trouble surrounding that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad he got a happy ending. Like, I'm, I'm very glad he got a happy ending. The boys have a happy ending. I just, I do think that 
once again, it made the idea of a physical disability far more important than the mental consequences and emotional consequences surrounding it um, and kind of made a hierarchy mm-hmm. of what needs to be healed in order for a person to become whole. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost to say, yeah, no, that, that's really good. And I, I completely agree. That's super valid. And not just like they created a hierarchy of what needs to be healed, but also they're implying that if you don't have all of these able-bodied um, functions, then you aren't a whole person. And I think that that as well is problematic. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they had a little exchange and now their chemistry is gone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sayonara. Um, okay, and then I think the last thing that, the okay, three things happen. One, Piper says that she told Josh to go to Beverly Hills mm-hmm. because she realizes that the entire time she was down there in the sewers, she was just thinking about Leo. And maybe Leo won't come back, but the fa- fact of the matter is if she's thinking about Leo, then she's not thinking about Josh. Exactly. And if you're a monogamous person, not a good sign. <laughs> but also she wasn't feeling that much for Josh anyway. No, and neither was I. <laughs> and nobody else was either, except Phoebe, who said, oh, he had nice glutes. Okay. Uh, but I mean, Leo had better buns. True. Second thing that happens is that Daryl is suspicious. Um, basically, uh, Andy makes the whole like, do they have magic thing kind of go away. And he like holds that secret to himself as well. So he kind of protects the Charmed One secret. And Daryl's like, I don't buy it, but okay. This is my unresolved sexual tension moment <laughs> of the episode, Daryl and Andy. When Daryl leans all the way over to Andy's desk and says, I don't buy it. Um, <laughs> okay. It was good. It was good. And so it was. The last thing that happens is that Prue and um, Andy have a talk. Mm-hmm. Bag has given up the cat. That's the phrase. Schrodinger's bag. <laughs> cat is out. The beans are on the cat now. Oh, cat brother. Um, anyway, so yes, and they essentially go, where, where do we go from here? What are we going to do? And before they can get anywhere near even approaching an answer or a conversation, the press mobs Andy and wants to know about the connections, about the kidnappings. Mm-hmm. And Prue kind of disappears into the background. Ooh, spooky. Spooky. <laughs> it was, to me, a very poignant ending moment because the exact closing lines were where do we go from here good question and scene blackout um and this is an ending that i was like i want to know because finally 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 we actually get some reaction from andy Mm -hmm. um he's scared of prue (laughs) which is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. He now knows the truth. And it doesn't seem like he is necessarily rejecting her. No, no. Especially because there were some moments where in the very beginning when he was like sleuthing to see what their secret was, he was like very like, gotta get out the secret file now. Like, no, no, no holding back. No, no things barred. Mm -hmm. Um, But it looks like he just wanted to know the truth and he didn't care what it was really. 
Yeah, exactly. So we'll see where that goes. Agreed. Um, and then before we close out this episode, villain death. Oh my god, this was my favorite so far. This Me was too, so same, same, good. same, same, same. Uh, it um, had everything. <laughs> this club had everything. <laughs> it had the dual um, scream, the the uh, <laughs> the silly weapon, which is the flinging of the mason jar, and then the melting, the overdramatic melting of the villain. We had teamwork, real stakes, drama, acid attacks. <laughs> It's everything. Um, and I also really enjoyed the uh, quips that c- accompany mm, it. Very quippy as well. One good quip at the end, which was really, that's the way you got to do mm-hmm. it. Close it out yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. how many Jeremy's would you give this? I mean, I still have only seen 19 episodes, so I'm afraid to give it a full five. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a 4.5. Mm, I'm going to give it a 4.2. Okay, all right. So didn't have it all. It was close. Okay. Oh, maybe I'll give it a 4.5. It was really good. It was really good. I liked everything. I think for a demon death to be four point, like above a 4.5, yeah. it has to have all three charmed ones. Oh, interesting. That's a very good um, uh, rule to put in place. Yeah. I particularly liked this demon death because not only was it immensely satisfying, but it also made me so happy and proud of the sisters because, I mean, happy and proud is not the right word, but like gleeful mm-hmm. at their at their response to the attack. I agree. It was choreographed very well. All the reactions were great, and they worked together so great. Mm-hmm. So good job. Four point five Jeremy's. Thanks to the Blue Man Group for their hard work. Yeah, from a whopping one Jeremy last episode. Um, so. I think that's all I have. That's all I got. Let's see. We talked about a lot. Any final thoughts? Oh, I'm never ready for that question. I know. Me neither. You would think we would have thought about this. I know. It happens. It's been happening 19 times now. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Here's what I'll say. Sex does not have to equal a relationship unless both parties agree that it does. You should never let your sister pressure you into labeling something a relationship either way. But if you find that your mind is wandering elsewhere, perhaps you should take some time and date yourself instead. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. Oh, wow. So well worded. Um, Okay. Let me think back on what has occurred in this episode. Um, I suppose... The only thing, it's not really like a closing button. It's just a demand that I have for future episodes. This is me at the writer's room 20 years ago. More Daryl and Andy banter. That's it. Agreed. Okay, and here we are. Care to comment? No. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so, so much for listening to another episode when we're finally in the same room together. Um, thank you for keeping up with us. Feel free to find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram or email us charmedspellcast at gmail.com. I'm Shayna. You can find me at Bernadette Teeters. I'm Bryce. You can find me at Your Best Bryce or Finished Foodstagram. And stick around for some music. Thank you so much. And now a song for Angie Wang, who donated to Rices for Shayna's birthday.
hang his own hat over mine To shout from the ink stains of his byline He can try, but I don't by fact free Listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media, audio for everyone.